G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. This week's sermon is by Bishop Cameron Venables, Bishop for the Western Region, and it was recorded on the 14th of May at St. John's Dolby and it focuses on Acts chapter 17. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. The first reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 17, beginning at verse 22. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Here ends the first reading. Thanks Thanks be to God. On Friday, no, yesterday, Kate and I had the great privilege of visiting an art exhibition in Brisbane, which showcased the work of the British graffiti artist known as Banksy. The image of his I was most familiar with was called the, Fl- the Flower Thrower, which was initially done in 2003 as a stenciled mural in a Palestinian town east of Bethlehem. A masked man is clearly protesting something, but instead of throwing a Molotov cocktail, he's throwing a bunch of flowers. Maybe some of you have seen that. It's a, it's a beautiful image, and it's been around now for 20 years. The image infers that it is clearly right to protest injustice, but it challenges people to protest in a way that does not create new cycles of violence. In many ways, Banksy has, over the years, used his art to provocatively name various injustices and destructive things. In one picture I had never seen before, Banksy had placed each of the main characters from Walt Disney's Jungle Book movie on a photo of a landscape utterly cleared of trees. Uncomfortably, each of these characters 
Mowgli, Baloo, Bagheera, King Louis and Shere Khan are gagged and blindfolded and tied up ready for execution. I stood there kind of stunned in front of it for five minutes uh, and sometimes a good image can do that. In another image titled Napalm, Banksy placed the famous image of Phan Thi Cung Phuc, the nine-year-old Vietnamese girl running with her back on fire, hand in hand with Mickey Mouse and Ronald McDonald. It was a disturbing critique of capitalism that I'll be processing for a while. I printed it last night because I think I need to do some work on that. There were moving tributes to the ongoing conflicts in Syria and Ukraine and uncomfortable challenges to racism, each with a consistently prophetic edge. What was named is not right, Banksy affirms. Humanity could do better, Banksy seems to suggest. More than that, humanity needs to do better. And it's telling that the theme of the exhibition was, there is always hope. One of the things challenged was the complex reality of consumerism, which seems to flourish and perpetuate itself in our ongoing love of stuff, material things. One image had three hunter-gatherers with spears and an axe stalking a pair of shopping trolleys on a grass plain. It was kind of fun. And we can chuckle at that one with the inferred mocking of where most people in Western society get their food. But there was also an image of people kneeling and crying out to God in front of a sale ends today sign. And a picture of the crucified Christ with his arms outstretched holding overstuffed shopping bags. Who or what do we worship? The image seems to ask. Is it the crucified Christ or is it the stuff we love to buy? In today's first reading from the book of Acts, St. Paul is remembered speaking to a crowd in the Greek city of Athens. At the time, Greece was part of the Roman Empire, and Paul was a Roman citizen with all the rights that this inferred. So, in the public square, where citizens went to listen to orators and discuss their ideas, Paul said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way, for as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Paul then went on with great passion and clarity to talk about his belief that all people are created by God, that all people are God's children, and that in him we live and move and have our being. This phrase he expressed, he drew from a concept articulated by poets familiar to his listeners. I wonder if you and I have the same conviction that in God we live and move and have our being. Yes, in church, God's spirit present in word and sacrament, prayer and song, quietness and hospitality, less quiet. But also God present in the midst of each breath we take and each heartbeat that moves blood around our body. God present in the air around and above us God present in the ground upon which we stand. The in him piece of Paul's affirmation finds its focus in Christ. That somehow in the mystery of life, death and resurrection, in the person of the man called Jesus who became the Christ, 
we can find completeness and a profound sense of home. For in him, we find love, hope and purpose. And someone who is at the same time past, present and future. Surely it is in this lived mystery we live and move and have our being. If we do have that sense, and I hope we each do, at least sometimes, I wonder what difference it makes to our lives. I've just affirmed that in him we find love, hope and purpose, and surely each of these make a difference to living. When we feel unlovely and unworthy, we find in him deep love. And when we feel overwhelmed by life, or are simply struggling with the nitty-gritty of day-to-day living, we consistently find hope in him. And not the least of this hope is his promise to be with us always. Each one of us, wherever we are, whether in Brisbane or Dolby or Guatemala City, God with us always. My middle daughter is going to Guatemala, so the Guatemala references might start slipping out now. But what about purpose? How would you name the purpose we find in him? One of the injustices that Banksy critiques in his art is the lack of hospitality often experienced by refugees and migrants. And he's thinking particularly of the UK. One painting has five pigeons on a wire holding placards of protest as they look at a solitary swallow clinging to the same wire. The placards read, Go back to Africa. Migrants not welcome. Keep off our worms. Another poignant image has a girl standing forlornly in the ruins of a building, and everything in the image is grey, except the heart-shaped balloon she is holding onto by a string. The balloon is red. In 2020, Banksy bought a second-hand French patrol boat called Sourua, refitted it and renamed it the Louise Michel. This boat now travels the Mediterranean, rescuing migrants and refugees in overcrowded and poorly equipped boats. And through this, thousands have been saved from drowning. So it looks like part of Banksy's purpose is not only to name things that are not right, but also do something about it. My hunch is that most of us are not gifted artists selling work for millions of dollars. But if you are, please see me afterwards. Um, (laughs) But in Christ, we each find a sense of purpose. If I had to name part of this purpose, I would suggest that part is for us to each use our little gifts and abilities collaboratively with others to make the world a better place. So guided by God's Spirit, What will you and I do this week to make the world a better place? What conversations will we have that could be life-giving to another? What things could we write? What calls could we make? What songs could we sing? What people could we visit? What food could we share? What love could we offer? May God bless and guide you and me as we think about these questions and in him. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give thanks for your love. We offer our lives to you this week, asking that you help us see more clearly what you would have us do 
and who you would have us be. We pray in the name of the one who said, I will be with you always. Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.